Grace and peace to you all. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, so if you don't have a Bible, you want to have one in front of you, there's some on the card over there, please grab one. Make sure that you've, uh, you're looking up anything that someone ever tells you is in the Bible. If I'm telling you this is so important that it's going to change your life, you probably better make sure that I'm telling you the truth about what's in here. But before I get to our story in Matthew 7, I'm going to share a little bit of a story from John chapter 8. And this is actually, it's an odd story in the Bible. If you uh, look in most Bibles, there's a little asterisk next to it, or it's in italics, because modern translators have decided that it's an accurate story, so it belongs in Scripture, but it's not in the right place. They think that it just kind of got stuck in here. It may belong somewhere else. It's a story about Jesus later in his ministry, probably in Jerusalem, possibly even in that last week of his life, but in one of those, those final trips that he took there, where he was out teaching. And while he was teaching, a large crowd of people came, dragging a woman with them. And they threw her on the ground in front of Jesus. And they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Because they had set her up. So that they could bring this charge against her to Jesus. And Jesus knelt down on the ground and he started drawing in the dust. We have no idea what he was doing. Drawing pictures, writing words, writing names. But he started drawing in the dust. And the people began to get ready to stone this woman. Because that's what you did with people caught in adultery. They said, what should we do with her, Jesus? Because he was trapped. There were only two answers as far as they were concerned. He was either going to say, you should stone her for her sins, or he was going to say, set her free. And if he said, go ahead and stone her, he was violating the laws of Caesar because the Romans didn't allow people to pass capital punishment. They didn't even allow the judges in Israel, in most cases, to pass any kind of capital punishment, but for a mob to to just stone someone. But if Jesus said, don't stone her, then they would have been able to say, oh, he doesn't believe in the laws of Moses. So they thought, he's trapped. He's stuck between these two answers. He's going to have to judge one way or the other. And Jesus looked up from what he was drawing in the dirt, and he said, you without sin can throw the first stone. And he went back to his drawing in the dirt. And one by one, the people in the crowd slowly slipped away. Starting with the oldest. I think that's the best part of that passage. It mentions the oldest are the ones who go first. Because uh, apparently the more life you have under your belt, the more sense you have of the fact that we are all sinners. None of us is as good as God intended us to be. And one by one, the crowd slipped away until at last, even the last person holding a stone let go, and there was no one left but Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looked at her and he said, has no one condemned you? And she said, no. And he said, well, then I'm not going to either. Go and sin no more. That's where the story ends. That is in uh, John chapter 8. Which page? Uh, I'm not sure. Someone got John chapter 8 in the uh, the blue Bible to help them find the page. Sorry, I used to... Oh, wait a minute. I do have one up here. I'll find it for you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
By the way, there is a uh, table of contents at the front of a Bible, and although uh, I don't really hear this much, it's okay to use it. We all expect you to memorize where the, all the books of the Bible are, and that's most people don't. <laughs> Just honestly. It's page 1072. If you've got this Bible. Otherwise, it's find the book of John. It's about uh, 80% of the way in. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, though. Because we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We're here for a couple more weeks to, to finish it up. It goes through the end of Matthew chapter 7. We've been all the way through 5. We've been all the way through 6. We're trying to understand the message of Jesus and what it was he taught his disciples that he expected from them. And here at the top of Matthew 7... He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measures you use, it will be measured to you. Now that last part in particular was pretty common in the, the marketplace. It was a saying that was, was used from vendors to, to buyers quite frequently. They would say, um, it is measured to one according to the measure by which one measures, which is a little confusing, but what it means essentially is, hey, if you're going to measure wheat out to me using this scale, that's the scale I'm going to use to weigh the silver that I'm going to pay you with. Whatever measure you use is the measure that's going to be used for you. And Jesus is taking this and expanding it to judgment. And honestly, what he's saying here is not that unusual. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. It was frequent that people would say, you are going to be judged based on how you judge others. You will be held to your own standard, essentially. But Jesus goes on. If he just said that, it wouldn't be very interesting. He goes on, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank... In your own eye, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all of the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, plank is an interesting word. It actually, it's a, a, a perhaps better translated roof beam. So imagine a giant wooden beam that actually supports the roof and any stories above you sticking out of someone's head. This is one of those things that Jesus was very good at. He liked to add into his teaching these little comedy bits that would have people rolling in the dust. When people heard this, they probably would have been laughing like crazy. You guys aren't even giggling. Even though I have a funny picture up here. Come on, that's a funny picture. That little tiny smudge in that one guy's eye giant log sticking out of the other guy's head. You know, um, a lot of times we hear that uh, Jesus was a carpenter. He was probably a carpenter or a stone cutter. could be the same, same word. He was probably involved in construction growing up one way or another. Uh, very close to where he lived, there was a, a, a city that Herod the Great had started construction on and that his, his children had followed up on behind him that we're going to dedicate it to Caesar 
And uh, this city, as it was being built, people were pulled from all around the region to work on it. Jesus very likely worked on this, the building in this city. And one of the very common problems that uh, people in construction had then and still have now is splinters. You get a splinter in your eye, what happens? At the very least, it hurts. Nowadays, you get a splinter in your eye, you go to the eye wash station, you try to wash it out. If that doesn't work, you go to the surgeon. They have special tools. They've got special magnifiers. They pull them out. Back in the first century, they didn't have all that stuff. If you had a splinter in your eye, even if it was just laying in your eye, there's not really a good way to get it. You'd have to really trust someone who's going to pull your eyelid down and like try to tap it out. But if it's stuck in your eye, how are you going to get that out? Someone's got to be really careful. First century surgery was not really very uh, uh, hygienic, let's say. So you had someone with really dirty hands who's about to reach into your eyeball and try to pluck out a splinter, knowing that if they miss, even by just a little bit, they're going to blind you permanently. How excited are you to think that that person might not be able to see what they're doing? Jesus says, why are you looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and not paying attention to the plank in your own eye? Could you see through this? Not a chance. He's um, suggesting that before you go looking for other people's specks, you've got to check yourself. Clear out your own vision. Make sure that you can see as perfectly as you can. This guy, Theodore Adamo, he said, a splinter in your eye is the best magnifying glass available. Because if you've got something in your eye, something in your life that is an obstruction, somehow that makes it easier to see other people's obstructions. Have you noticed that? If you've got a plank in your eye, you get to see other people's splinters really easily. Who irritates you most? in this world. People just like you. Has anyone else noticed that? Is that just me? Not just me? Not just my conceit? That's good. The people who irritate us most are the people who are just like us. People who have the same problems we do. How easy is it to see someone's problem if it's the same problem that we have? It's a piece of cake. You see this a lot in... uh, in recovery circles, I've done a lot of work in recovery over the years, and you see uh, folks who are newly recovered addicts tend to be very harsh with people struggling with addiction. You see people who have recently quit smoking are really harsh with anyone who smokes, right? Because they're like, ah, I quit, you can quit. They get very, very uptight, very angry. Well, you know, it took you 30 years to quit. Maybe that guy hasn't had his 30 years yet. But you still, you get, you get tight. You get, I, I'm going to take it out on you. It's so easy. Uh, if you think about the, uh, oh, I don't want to single anyone out by name. Um, if you think about, like, uh, all of the, the scandals with uh, great evangelists or great uh, preachers over the last 20 years, uh, 
and there have been a whole bunch of them. There have been televangelists, there have been church leaders, uh, most recently, oh, I'm trying not to single anyone out by name, there's a, a mega church pastor um, in the Midwest who uh, had to resign his post because of some of the things that he was doing with female members of his staff that were not appropriate. Um, but these are the people who preached against that stuff all the time. Actually, there's one guy who wouldn't mind me using his name. Uh, Ted Haggard. He was, the, he was a mega church pastor in Colorado, and he was the head of the, uh, the National Evangelical Council of Churches, and he preached almost every week about how horrible it is to live a sinful lifestyle, how horrible it is to use drugs, how terrible it is to uh, have sex outside of marriage. And then it was found out that he had been carrying on a years-long affair with a male prostitute that involved lots of uh, drug-fueled activity. And he was called out, as he should have been. Lost his position, lost his church. He has since rebuilt, repented. His, he and his wife have uh, rebuilt their, their marriage, their family, and uh, they lead a small church in Colorado now. Um, but while he was in his sin, it magnified those sins in other people. So he was always preaching against them. But he always forgot to look in his own life first. Forgot to take that plank out of his own eye first. It's pointed out by a lot of the commentators on this section that Jesus doesn't say it's not okay to judge. Do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The standard you apply to other people is the standard that's going to be applied to you, is what he's saying. And then he tells this story about the speck and the plank. He's saying, get the plank out of your eye before you start looking at someone's speck. He's not saying you can't help someone else return to God and leave behind their sinful ways. But he's saying, don't be looking at someone else's sin until you've taken care of yourself first. How many of you ever heard that saying, uh, love the sinner but hate the sin? And a lot of times, people who use that saying are saying, I want you to know that I love you, but you suck because your life is full of sin. That phrase does not show up anywhere in Scripture, by the way. Love the sinner, hate the sin. That is not a biblical concept. Jesus said, love everybody. We're all sinners. So yeah, love the sinner. He said, love your neighbor, love your enemy. Love the sinner, sure. But he doesn't say, hate their sin. He says, hate your sin. Hate your own sin. Look at your own life. Get the plank out of your eye. Don't worry about the speck. Worry about the plank. Real judgment belongs to God. He is the only one who has perfect vision. He's the only one who can see what's going on in your eye, in your life, in your soul. Judgment of others is up to God. Judgment of yourself is between you and God. You all with me? Jesus said something kind of unusual right after this. Matthew 7, verse 6, he said, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs, because if you do, they may trample them under their feet 
and then turn and tear you to pieces. Dogs, by the way, are not cute companion animals in the first century. Dogs were uh, wild creatures that ran around in cities, generally in packs, and anything or anyone that was left anywhere near them would get torn to bits. So don't think of your favorite pet in this saying. Think of a rabid dog running around on the streets who just hasn't been caught and put down yet. Dogs were unclean scavengers. And to the, the Jews in the first century, any reference to a god, to a, to a god, to a dog, was uh, saying this is an unclean thing that you want to stay away from. It's dangerous. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't take something that's set apart for God and give it to an unclean scavenger. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Pigs were also unclean. They were animals that were not to be eaten. We talked about that a few weeks ago. They were um, um, not really even allowed to be farmed by Israelites because just being near a pig made you unclean. And as you might expect, pigs have no appreciation for things of value. How many of you have ever given jewelry to a pig? Because you wouldn't. Because what's it going to do with it? What's a pig going to do with a string of pearls if you give it to it? It's going to trample it in the mud because it can't eat them. So it's just going to get it off of it and walk around on them. And it may turn and tear you to pieces. Pigs can be vicious creatures. There's actually a, a proverb, Proverbs 11.22. See how quick I can look it up this morning. Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Suggesting that if you can't appreciate one thing, how are you going to appreciate the other? A gold ring in a pig's snout. Who, uh, anyone here put gold rings on their animals? No? All right. Because yeah. why would you take something valuable and put it on an animal, a wild animal. Proverbs 23, verse 9. Proverbs. I am so slow at looking stuff up. Here we go. Proverbs 23, 9. This may be uh, the Old Testament passage that Jesus is trying to bring more light to here. Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Did anyone ever notice that if you give advice to someone who's not looking for advice, they don't really care what you have to say? This was a problem I had in my early years of ministry. I would give advice to everyone. Now, I usually waited for them to ask, but not always. But now, even if people ask me for advice, I usually try to give them uh, two or three perspectives and not actually give any advice. Because I have learned that uh, if you speak to fools, they scorn your prudent words. And I'm not saying that people who come to me for advice are fools. Although, if you want good advice, you probably would go to my wife. <laughs> uh, if, people are not, if people are seeking the best way to do something... That's one thing. They'll find it. If you look, you'll find it. 
If you're not seeking the best way, if you're just looking for someone to pay lip service or say you're doing okay or whatever, you're not really looking for advice. And my judgment in your life is meaningless. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You get to, between you and God, work it out. It's up to the rest of us to help, but we got to worry about the splinter in our eye magnifying what's in yours. The plank in our eye making it impossible for us to see your splinter. We cannot force beliefs, opinions, or advice on others. We just can't. It doesn't keep people from trying. We're talking about the election. How many people uh, have ever watched election news or news coverage about political issues? All right, so half of you raised your hands and the other half of you are lying or too tired to raise your hands. When you watch that, you see one side arguing how they are right and the other side is wrong. Have you ever seen someone in the middle of one of these arguments go, wait a minute, you're right. I can't believe it. I've been wrong this whole time. They brought me on here just to argue with you, and it turns out you are right. I just hadn't heard someone tell me that side in that way before. Never, huh? Absolutely never does that happen. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. That pretty much describes everything that I've seen on uh, Fox or CNN in the last two weeks. People who are putting their prizes out there so that the other side can trample them and then try to tear that person to pieces. That would be the opposite of what Jesus has been asking us to do over the last two chapters. So take that to heart. Judgment belongs to God. Check yourself before you check others. And don't check others if they're not asking. Don't be getting in someone's face. Hey, you got a speck in your eye. Just, yeah, that means there's a log in yours. Absolutely, there is a log in yours. That's all I got this morning. I'm going to go ahead and uh, close us in prayer, and uh, we'll do some music. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to spend some time with your word and uh, some of the things that your son had to say to us about the ways that we should focus on living our lives. Help us to remember any time that we see a speck in someone else's eye, we really should start looking to see what it is in our lives that's making that speck seem so important to us. Help us to find the planks and remove them so that we can be of service to those who ask, so that we can help lead people who are troubled into a more stable situations, more stable lives. But remind us to keep to ourselves what we should keep to ourselves and share what needs to be shared. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.